Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. Look, uh, today I speak with Colin Wilson, who's the managing director and owner of a company called Key Business Advisors. And I think this is a really interesting interview because Colin talks about a couple of challenging times that he had when key people uh, left his business and how he responded to that as a leader. And it was a very open and frank interview. And I think that was really refreshing for people to hear a business owner talk uh, with such passion about how he believes that his people are the absolute key to his success. So happy listening and really look forward to hearing what you think. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. All right, well, uh, welcome Colin and thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, be part of the podcast. Uh, so everyone's got a bit of context about uh, you and where you are now. So can you give us a little bit of a story or history of uh, where you are right now? Yeah, I'm the uh, managing director or owner of a company called Key Business Advisors. We're a company that's 10 years old. Um, what we do is our catchphrase is we take businesses from good to great. And uh, pretty much you know, how that works is we, there's three parts to our business. We, we get in, uh, into a business, a small, medium-sized business, and we help them uh, grow the business through the you know the business owner with their management team. Um, we also do customized sales training, customer service training, and, and really try and help that business become customer centric. And we offer a, an outsourced HR services, so everything from recruitment to employment contracts, position descriptions, policy procedures, termination, uh, exit interviews, etc. So that's a whole package of what we do, okay. um, and um, yeah, it's very successful. Okay, and how many people in the team? Yeah, there's uh, 10 staff in the team. So uh, you know, we have five professional HR advisors, a couple of trainers and an uh, admin and um, a client service manager. All right, so what's an interesting fact about QBA that people uh, might not know? An interesting fact. I'd say um, for people who know us, they know what we do. So, um, you know, we've still got customers that have been with us from our, like our first five customers that uh, that we bought on board 10 years ago are still customers of today. And, um, you know, we don't do a huge amount of work because they're great, but they get us in from time to time. So I think, you know, what people don't know is, you know, we're not a business that goes in and just does it and then moves out. We, we, we like to be part of that partnership all the way through. So uh, I'd like to take you back yep. uh, in your career, back to your very first uh, leadership role. Yep. And uh, can you give us a little bit of context about that, if you could, thanks. Yeah, um, okay, so I spent 22 years in the office technology industry, which was like door knocking on the phones, sales. And, uh, and I was approached uh, once to become a sales manager for a, uh, an office technology firm. Not one of the big players, a small, a small player, like a, a reseller. And I took that challenge. So I became their sales manager, uh, which was really, really interesting. Well, that was now 15, 16 years ago. And uh, what were some of the mistakes you made in your first role? Um, well, as a young person, so, you know, I, I, I was 32 years of age at the time, and I remember it well. So um, as a young person going in, 
I believe I've got leadership skills in motivating people and driving them and, and I know how to, you know, I had a sales team to look after so I knew what to do. Um, but to actually manage people, I had no idea what I was doing. I, to be honest, you know, I, uh, I just went on the way I was managed over the time as a you know person in the business of previous companies that I worked for. But what the organisation did very, very well is they gave me a mentor that sat with me for, you know, two or three days a week for the first three to six months. And um, that was absolutely brilliant. Wow, that would have been that would be unusual, I would imagine. Very unusual, but they knew I was raw. And, you know, I think when I went to the interview, I said, I'll be a locomotive. I'll just push through anything, just make it all happen. And I was. And, you know, we're going back now, you know, 16, 17 years ago. And back in those days, the rules of HR are not what they are today. And that's part of the reason why I've got a HR company today, because I probably teach people what not to do rather than what to do. Yeah. yeah. And I use my HR professionals to make to verify all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But um, I remember the uh, very first week, um, they talked about leadership empowerment and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it probably wasn't leadership empowerment. It was, you know, you need to let them know who's boss. So here's three people we'd like you to terminate between now and Friday so they know that you're serious about growing this business. And I executed that and I learned some valuable mistakes in that process and that was never personalised uh, a termination with somebody because all of a sudden you just end up uh, in a two-way argy-bargy that really doesn't uh, doesn't achieve anything. And uh, what about some of the successes from that role? I think um, if I go back to that, 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 that company, um, being a reseller, they're they had really good commissions, but very low base salaries, or it was commission only. One, the, the best success story, the success stories I have is we recruited young people. So what I realised very quickly that um, some people are not prepared to change, and especially if they've been in the industry for a long period of time. And so I got fresh blood in and really developed a team. And um, we used to do things like back in those days, social media and all that wasn't around. So I used to run this cool running uh, thing where all the team would have to go out. We'd go to an area and just absolutely cold call that area and saturate it and I'd create prizes and stuff like that. Having a young, experienced team, I realised that sales skills were something that they lacked, so we, we just kept training and training and training. And then what I did very cleverly worked out that for the guys who knew what they were doing, I left them alone. And for the guys who didn't know what they were doing, I'd always get them to bring the customers to me. So we used to offer like a silver service. We'd invite the customer into the showroom because um, I realised every time I went out, we couldn't hit the target. So it was it was a it was a it was a strategy that just it's what you had to do to actually try and hit the targets. And when I walked into that business, the, the Melbourne business wasn't travelling too well. So uh, I had a huge task ahead of me. But um, so the success was that I. I trained a bunch of young adults to become really good salespeople. And some of those young people of today are still in contact with me and have moved on as managers, leaders, and very, you know, huge success stories elsewhere. And when I, when I run into them, they say to me, you know, it all started with you, Cole. You just, you just gave us everything, which is a lot, I think, is leadership. It must be a great feeling. It's a huge feeling. Yeah, huge feeling. And it's, um, and I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because that, that taught me about what we need to do out there in the marketplace in training young, young people and growing them. So, you know, today's market, a lot of them go to uni, they, they get degrees, but um, are they street smart? You know, and what I mean by that, do they understand what cross-selling, up-selling customer service is? And 
they don't. They don't, you know, and uh, as, a, as many companies out there, you know, sales is the blood of the business, it brings the income in. If they don't have those, you know, all of their staff, um, they're on the same page in looking after their customers, then it's too easy for customers today, um, you know, just to Google and move on. And, I, you know, yesterday I was with a, uh, one of our clients and we're just, you know, um, having a chat and I just said to him, you know, just the, the, the Australia's market in professional salespeople and um, good customer service people is diminishing because a younger generation just think, well, everything can be bought online so you don't have to have that communication. And I know it's part of the future, but there is, um, to survive, I believe, 2025 and um, beyond as a business, you must have a customer-centric business. And, you know, people say, well, who needs sales training? And I always say, anyone talks to a customer because you can bring them business in at the front end, but if it's falling out the back end, then you don't have a business. Yeah. And would you say that during it was during that role that you decided leadership was for you? 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. I've always wanted to be a leader. Um, you know, I guess, you know, I come from a family of uh, four kids. I'm the middle boy. There's three boys. Um, I look up to my older brother, um, but, you know, definitely it's in me. I, I want to lead and, 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 and I'll probably much lead, probably more so, I want to teach people how to lead. That's my passion. You know, what I do is not work. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, what, it's what my passion is. I just love it. And how long were you in that role? Um, I was in the role there for three and a half years. All right. So Actually, sorry, sorry. No, wrong, wrong. I was in that role for two and a half years. Okay. When there was an amalgamation of technology companies, I moved into another company and I was there for three and a half years. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So moving in you uh, to your second leadership role, you've had a taste of leadership. Yep. Can you give us a bit of context about what that role was? So my second role was um, I, uh, from that company, I went and worked for uh, another organisation and I had an amazing uh, leader in that business and uh, he actually works for us today, which is amazing, right? So, uh, and I look up to him, I still look up to him, and uh, and he's really, really good, in, you know, empowering. So when I went, joined into that role, um, I actually didn't go in as a, as a manager, I went in there as a major account salesperson, and then obviously do, doing what I, I do, you know, uh, they recognised that I was good at it, and leadership, and then, uh, after a couple of years, they wanted to develop me into a, uh, you know, a sales manager in the major accounts business, which is what I did. And uh, yeah, that was really, really good. I was a smaller team, so an easier team to actually run, and it was more around um, strategy. So, so you know, the first management leadership role I had was around volume, and this one was more around strategy. So it was really interesting. Okay. And what, what skills do you think you brought to that role to enable you to make that shift from volume to strategy? I think what it was was just a way of different thinking. Um, if I look back at it, so, you know, when we was, uh, you know, at the first office technology company, it was more around lots of small machines had to be sold, where in major accounts, it's a big beast like Telstra. And I, we had this strategy, which was, the strategy was, and I use the word Telstra, let's aim for the biggest account that we can actually uh, get um, being Telstra and they're going to teach us on how to win all the other smaller accounts okay. that sit under you know top 500 uh, type of business so um, so yeah that was the strategy and uh, and the strategy worked you know it helped us you know it was more teamwork uh, at the time the organization uh, invested in 
a, uh, another a mentor to come in and we did some Miller Hyming training and that was just absolutely fantastic about how we blueprint a, uh, an organisation to get in there. So it was more around strategy and, you know, what I did was guide that strategy and lead that strategy with a team of fantastic people. Okay, and what would you say your significant successes were in that role? I'd say that um, the best success I had in that role, or actually prior getting into that role, is I practiced what I preached. So that strategy with that leader that I had, his name was Adrian, um, what we did was we we worked on winning these accounts, and then as I got into that management role, we wanted to transfer that strategy into the whole team. We had some really good wins, but probably, you know, what were some of the biggest learnings? I'll probably learn more what not to do, if that makes sense. So um, again, learnings, people learn through different different things, and I'm one of those people that let's, you know, roll up our sleeves, get into it. Okay, so if I don't get it quite right the first time, what do we learn by that? Now let's go and improve it second time. And I am a perfectionist. So if I think back at the team, I'm still good friends with all the people who are in that team of today. And again, I see that's the traits of the good leader. I don't believe anyone in my team on either companies hate me um, from being a leader. And that's an interesting, really interesting observation, but I think that really shows true leadership. Okay. And why did you decide to leave? And then that's a really uh, tough question. And that's um, and the tough question on that one is, when I took on the role of becoming a, a sales manager for the major account division, I wanted to be professionally trained. And that was the conditions of the role. And, I, and, and Julian, after 18 months, I've kept asking, um, and it didn't happen. Pretty much what happened was I decided that, you know, that's a valuable lesson that company learned after that, that if you've got good people, that are asking for training, then you need to train them because if you don't train them, they'll leave. And I'm a good example of that. So, um, so that's how Key Business Advisors actually formed. And how it actually formed was being in the major accounts. I would talk to a lot of dealerships, and I'd say, look, you know, we're, we're working on a, an account here, and you know, is it possible for you to get one of your salespeople to pop out or go and audit where this business was? And we had to work through a channel uh, within the organisation. And as I got to know these these dealers, these dealers um, would say to me that, you know, I don't have enough staff or they're not trained. It's hard for me to train staff uh, in a regional area. I've got to send them to Melbourne. We know we need to do it, but it's just hard. We're a small business. So that started resonating that, you know what, there's training opportunities in regional areas and there's also, they don't know how to manage staff. So I have no HR experience. So when we started Key Business Advisors, I went and got myself management trained. That's what I did. And um, so all the things I wanted to learn, I actually went and did that. And every year I put myself through some intense course over a week to go and learn because it makes me more powerful. So so that's how the business actually formed. And when we started, I knew a lot of the the dealership owners and... um, and they were a magnet to to uh, to to our business, and and still today, a lot of those customers are customers of, of ours today, which I'm very very grateful for. Okay. All right. So you've had a couple of uh, leadership roles, and you've started your own business. Yep. Uh, can you give us any more context around uh, key business advisors in terms of you know how you measure success, any performance metrics that you monitor? Yep. yep. So I have a strategy, and and the strategy is actually that I have and I've implemented it in this business as well as every other business that we've done work for, it is, it's very, very simple. So first of all, number one, it is 
the owner of the business has to empower their staff. And you know, we do employer and staff satisfaction surveys. We bought into a HR business when we uh, a HR coach um, franchise when we first started because I just wanted material. I needed material. Um, and then basically what happened was is when we do employer and staff satisfaction surveys, the information and the context that gave us back is staff want to know how the direction of the business is going. Um, there's always lack of recognition and praise. You know, pay rates are you know, down there in the bottom five. And it, and it really talks about what, how a high-performing business works and how a low-performing business works. But our strategy is that every the business owner has to share what's going on in the business. So, um, and we link it all back through a HR process in this in, in every business that we do and our current business. So pretty much what it is, is we set our goals for uh, for 12 months. So in May, we set our goals of what we want for the next 12 months. So I work financial year to financial year. In this business, Stephanie, who's our HR manager, came in to our accountants and actually committed to what she believed her team could actually contribute to the business, to our accounts, which I think is brilliant. And she lives by that, swears by that, and every day she comes to work, she drives to hit those targets. So, um, and what we do is we, we share the business, but we have our, you know, like every small, medium, large business, you have your monthly, you know, Monday morning meetings, whatever it is, but it's linked to a strategy. So we, we do things like, um, you know, we have a team meeting, what's going on, and that's all about having fun, right? It's not a, it's never a bad thing, right? You always, always talk about the sandwich, you tell them something great, hey, we need to work on this, and then finish off with something great. Um, and then that's linked to, you know, the end of the month, hey, they performed. And that's what the manager does. And then every quarter, I do the reviews with uh, my leaders in the business. And um, so, and we measure the business quarterly. And then we also do in this business is we, in that quarter, we will we'll talk about how the success has actually gone. In this business, we love milestone moments. So if we've had a record quarter, my team get looked after. So we've done things like been in Sydney, organised a Hummer and um, gone around the city and, and taken photos everywhere. Um, I remember once I took them down to High Point, we had breakfast, I gave them uh, $250 cash each and said, you need to go and buy something for yourself, not for your family or anything like that, and come back to the boardroom and I'll man the phones while you show me what you bought for yourself personally. So I think, uh, I think it was 200 bucks, uh, and, and that wasn't irrelevant, it was all about celebrating those milestone moments, but it's all linked to a strategy. So every quarter we do quarterly reviews, and quarterly reviews are around, and a lot of business owners and leaders don't get this. They, they think that you've got to, you know, if someone's not performing well, you've got to wait till that review. We don't, that's not, that's, that's not what it's about. Leadership is about how you grow your staff. So, you know, very simple, four key areas, actually five key areas. Four, one, one is, and they're in all our PDs, number one is how do you contribute to the business financially? Number two is all about customer service, how you deal with customers um, of the business. Number three, business processes. So we all have CRM systems, processes in the business they need to follow. Um, and um, and then number four is around team team uh, leadership. So that's around you know, teamwork with one another and sharing and stuff like that. And five is professional development. So what do you need to do? So when we do a quarterly review, when we get to, we go through all that and they rate themselves and we rate, rate them. But when it comes to, um, for an example, at the end of the quarter, uh, you know, the, the personal development, that's where I'm like, okay, what do you need to grow your skill sets? And, um, and Stephanie's a really good example of that because she came to our business as a mature HR professional. She's been with us four years and she runs that HR team now. She is a really good example 
And in her last quarterly review, she said to me that she's following everything that I do, but she'd like to get some more help. So I, I engaged another professional um, who specializes in uh, management, change management, and he actually is her mentor in the business, which is what I do for other businesses. So, so um, I know that's a pretty long-winded answer, but that's what I'm passionate about, and you hear that in my voice, of getting that strategy right. And we've got many case studies um, where you know, we've had business owners come to us saying, we want to sell our business, can you help us prepare for to sale? And when they put that strategy in their business and really empower their people, what ends up actually happening is they don't want to sell because they're making money. So, um, and they're really good, good clients of ours. So I think that's that's a thing, that's an area that I, you know, and we had a discussion before we started this podcast um, about, you know, you can do training, but then what comes out of the training? And I think that's the real value. So when staff go and get trained in a company, and it happens all the time. Um, they you know, come back and go, how's the training? Yeah, it was fine. No, that doesn't work like that. What we do is say, well, okay, what's five things you got out of the training that would benefit the business? And they're going to present that to the rest of the team in one of those meetings. And we want to make sure we create that change to actually improve the business. And, you know, when we talk to a lot of business owners um, or, you know, managers of corporations and they, they want training, well, I always ask, what's the outcome you want out of the training? We want results. Everyone wants results. So, okay, well, how will you make sure those results stay in the business? What, what's your strategy in actually doing that? And um, and I think there's, I think, you know, at business, businesses of today don't do that well. I can talk for, for, for hours on this, but, you know, it's just, it's some of the things that, um, that you know, really stand out is, is, you know, we put staff on and a lot of business owners I talk to say, well, I pay them to do the job. Right, and we hear that all the time. But you know, they, you know, the human brain is designed to be a sponge, so we we need to actually fuel our staff and, and, and fuel that sponge. Now, I'll say, you know, and we we, we recommend is you're always employed with the right attitude and then teach the skill sets. You don't do it the other way around, um, and that's where you know our HR team, um, you know, spend a lot of their life in going in there and sorting out issues. And you know, issues cost money to a business. But if they get the strategy right and create that leadership and empowerment, then what comes from that is peace of mind. You know, I don't go to bed at the night time stressed, if that makes sense, because I know that Stephanie uh, in this business runs that HR team like clockwork. And um, you know, and I've got another employee, and I talk about Marie in the business. who has been with me for seven years. She was my old PA, one of those companies that we talked about before. And just, you know what? They just there's friendship there. I'll say that, but there's just huge respect from one another in the actual business. And uh, and again, I, I see that as true leadership. And yesterday, this customer that I was talking to you about that I was with, we're having the conversation about, um, you know, he's he's got 70 staff in his business, been going 25 years, hugely successful. His son's come in to actually run the business. I'm going to do some work there. But the conversation we had yesterday was around the amount of staff he's gone through his business that have gone, uh, you know, females gone, had a baby and then come back and gone, had a second baby. And he had one one I think had four kids, right? But the loyalty, the 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 knowledge, all that IP and everything like that. He goes, you know, when they come back, they just work hard. They're grateful for 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 the for, for you know working in the company. And to me, that's true leadership. Yeah. 
I, I wouldn't mind exploring what you said about the, having a very clear strategy for, for that because uh, a lot of the leaders that I talk to maybe can't articulate it as well as you did. Mm. So how did you, you've been in business 10 years, yeah. at what point did you realise that you needed that level of strategy and that level of system and structure here? Wow, now that's really interesting. Okay, so when we started the business, we grew 80% every year. For the first four years, we were finalists with Telstra Small Business Awards. Everything we touched turned to gold. And we had all that strategy in place. Then what happened is I became slack. <laughs> right? So you learn by mistakes. I became slack. Let things go. And then what happened is I had a few of my staff leave and start up against us and wiped out like one third of my clientele. So <clears throat> that's a really expensive exercise to actually learn. So from that, what was the strategy after that? It is so watertight that you keep your eyes on the big picture of what's going on within your actual business. Now, trust is an interesting thing and, and um, you know, um, there's a couple of them that I had huge trust with, one in particular who I wanted to come on as a, uh, as a partner in the business. And he was talking to my accountant, so, you know, the... the uh, the trust was was very very trusting, and you know what unveiled from that is uh, it took me a while to get over, but um, it's a learning experience, and um, and I've got a bit of team now for it. Cool. Yep. So, um, what, a bit of a off track uh, question for a minute. What do you think one of the biggest leadership myths is? Myth of a leadership. I think when people get into a leadership role, they think they just have to be important. Right, so the myth is as a leader that I now have to tell people what to do, and you know I have a saying like, you know, when someone gets into a management role, you know, um, you know, and it's in one of our programs um, that we that we that we offer, you know, we talk about a manager does things right, but a leader does the right thing. If that so that's that's you know, and I think the myth is when when people become managers, um, and I'm a victim of that. So I'm a person that's gone from sales very successful in sales into a management role and and there's two ways you'll, you'll, you'll learn. You'll either learn going through, you know, I'm going to manage people and have process and, and, and not rule the book and not be, if I can say it, not so much a people's person, you follow the, 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 the company book, that's if they haven't because most small businesses don't. Um, and leadership is around, you know, you bend the rules a little bit, but the myth is, you know, when I go into a lot of companies and they become a manager for the first time and that leadership comes through, what actually happens is it's sometimes misread. The myth is, you know, you've got to become this important, powerful person. And in actual fact, you know, leadership is about you make your team successful, they make you successful. And I say to many businesses that I go into, to managers that I do work with, like what you do, if, if you want to be a successful manager, then you empower people to take your job. And, so, and, and some people don't like that. But, you know, my, my belief is if I can do that, then I can move on and do other things. I was once um, as an adjudicator for uh, Manager of the Year. And, um, you know, there's all these criteria, you know, you know, around, you know, financial figures and customer service and all these stats. And they asked me what I thought. And I said, you know what, this is how I rate a manager, a great manager. When they're not there, the business performs as good as if they were there. That's leadership. That's a manager. That's a true manager because he's empowered people to step up and and know and know what the right things you know know the right things to do. 
So uh, a little bit more about uh, some of your views on leadership. Yeah. So how would you describe yourself as a leader? So I think um, I'm a very collaborative person. So for me, I like to get into people's heads. I want to know what motivates them. So I think a leader is a person that holds people accountable. You know, again, I like setting goals, like smart goals, um, with with my staff, and I want to hold them accountable for those smart goals. So leadership to me is you need to have three core areas. So as a leader, you need to be a really good coach. So you need to know how to coach your team or staff to achieve an outcome. But you can't coach somebody if they don't want to be coached, and you need to know what they want to achieve. So I think that's that's number one. The next thing you need to be is a really good mentor. And there's a difference between the two. So a mentor is a person that has been there, done it, walked in their shoes, and shows them the way how to do it, puts their whole ego aside, and creates that empowerment for that person to grow. So when you put those two together, that's a good ingredient. And the third part of that ingredient is you need to be a good manager. So by a good manager is you need to, yes, follow the rules, but you need to you need to let staff know when they're doing well, but also when they're not doing well and underperforming. And then, you know, how can we actually improve that? So going back over the years of my career, that what I've done, you know, I've had managers that have come in and spat the dummy and absolutely sprayed a team. And I've done that too because that's the way I was trained. Um, but that doesn't work. So, you know, that leadership skill that you, you need to have, you really just need to, it's very simple, you need to empower people below you. And I have this methodology and it comes from Patrick Patrick Leggiani and you know from the five behaviors of a cohesive team. And I, you know, I train it and I believe in it. Number one is you need to have trust. So there's got to be really good trust with yourself and who you're working with. Yeah. And from that trust you need you should be able to have some really good conflict. Now a leader is also a person that goes to their team and says, well how do I perform? And millennials of today, you know, they're coming into our workforce and you know, back, if I go back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, when you did a performance appraisal, it was once a year, it was a one-way street. And today, and I know that doesn't work. So in today's world, you know, it's a two-way street. The actual employee wants to rate the manager on how they're actually being the leader, how they're being managed, which I think is brilliant. So so I think, um, you know, if um, when we talk about that Patrick Leggiano, you know, you need to have trust. You need to be able to have good conflict, you know, um, and that's not arguing. That's what's right for the business. And then, you know, we get, a, we get committed on what we were trying to achieve and hold that accountability. And then what happens is the results come. And, and a good example is, you know, I've been in a performance appraisal with one of my team members who, you know, I guess you could say, you know, dropped the ball a little bit. When we had that conversation, she said to me, you know, Colin, you're really unhappy with my performance. And I remember looking at her in the eye, and it's games about relationship, and I said, you have no idea how frustrated I am with you right now. But her figure skyrocketed because I think a leader needs to also share some of their feelings and vice versa or with you know how, how that relationship's actually working. And I and I'm gonna tell you, you know, we go into some businesses where they say, right, this person's not performing, terminate, terminate, terminate. And I say to the business owner, well they must have been good when you employed them, so how did you fail? Right? And or a manager, how did you fail? So what have you not done that's kept them empowered? And I think that's what we've got to do as is in leadership. Okay. So what do you think some of your leadership, positive leadership traits are, if you could distill them down into a... Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you know, small. Number one is, and it's actually written on the board uh, in, in the corridor, first thing is about quality. 
So everything we do has got to be quality. The next thing is about focus. So we need about 100% focus. So when you're leading somebody, you need to be focused on them, not focused on other things. And I think delivery is the third one. You need to deliver as a leader, not only to, to I think you need to deliver to yourself, to your employees and to your customers. It all combines. And, so they are my three, my three things, quality, and, focus, deliver. Yep. And when you put those three together, do you think that's enabling you to get the most out of your team? Yep. Yep. Because we're empowering them. And if you empower your staff, and I'm, look, I don't claim to know it all, but what I do do is, you know, I follow some great leaders out there and Richard Branson is one of my favourites. Yeah. You know, he, whatever gets put up, I just sit there and read because he's dyslexic. I'm dyslexic, so there's a bit of a connection there. And um, and I just, you know what, I just I just think he's just an absolute awesome bloke. And I think, you know, from a female's point of view, I think um, Red Balloon, you know, Naomi Simpson, I think is... Again, I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm inspired by her, and um, I've never met them, but that is a that is a uh, uh, once I uh, that is a goal of mine is to go and meet both of those people and just have a chat. So one of the things I'm always interested in is any particular frameworks and models that leaders are using. You mentioned before, and there's a you can't see this, but uh, behind me there's a there's a banner about five behaviours of a cohesive team. Why does that resonate with you? Why did you choose that to be part of your business? Because um, I think small business, our clientele ranges from employing, you know, one staff right through to two. I think our biggest clients got 300 staff. But majority of them are between 20 to 100 staff. Um, you know, in I come out of major corporate, so there's department after department after department, and to get a decision, it's like turning a ship, right? So that's why I got out of major corporate. But in a small business, I find the reason why I chose Patrick Luciani's model is I'm, a, I'm credited with DISC for a start, and I think that's really good understanding people's personalities. And um, But I think when you go off-site and you bring your leadership team together to have a conversation, warts and all, about what we're here to try and achieve. And, and I think, you know, the historical part of, the, of that model is absolutely fantastic because why do people hate, behave the way they do? I think once we understand that, we can actually move forward and uh, and work better as a team. So um, so that's the model that I've gotten. You know, we spoke about Six Sigma and, and there's, there's, there, there are other models out there, but that's the one that resonated with me because when you've got a small business, you become a lot more, I think, closer with your team. Um, and some business owners, you know, they bring their staff over for dinner and they get all of that. That's really difficult. And also, you know, they're brothers or, or father and sons. But the five behaviours really just, I feel, puts that line in the scene of what we're trying to actually achieve. So, um, and when I do that do that um, workshop, it's an offsite and it's for a couple of days. And what I also do is I bring in one of my HR professionals with me as a note taker and to uh, just to manage the, some of the emotions that actually comes in. But we, we did one particular client and I had the man, the, the owner crying, just this emotion that was coming out and it did 20 years of emotion come out and there's no greater empowerment than seeing that. So, so that, that's, that's why I like, I like using it and I think sometimes we can get too bogged down in strategy and small business, medium sized business, it travels fast. You know, we could spend six months working on strategies, not bring a dollar into the business. And our clientele, they need they need results, and they need. And majority of clientele will come to us 
they come to us because cash flow is not not going so well and things are not working in the business. So you know we've got a time length to actually get some money. Otherwise, we don't get paid. So uh, so I think that's and that's why I like that model so much. And just talking about the offsite, I'm very proud of my business and. What I do is I bring a lot of our clients to into our business. I showcase what we do, and I love that. And we do offsites, so we we actually um, you know every quarter do like a half day offsite with the team, and um, and then once a year we'll go for one or two days and offsite. And um, the last one we did was in June of this year, and uh, where we we had it at our accountant's office, and what we did. Well, we talk about this is our strategy for 2017, 2018. Um, I had uh, I, I, I had my view of the business. I had Stephanie's view of the HR team. I had Marie's view of the customer service. I had Lorraine, my wife, works at the business. This is our marketing strategy. Like it was really clear where we want to actually go. And I had the accountants come in and verify that you know you guys keep doing what you're doing. This is what's actually going to come come out of it. And you know, I talked about those performance appraisals, you know, every quarter. And my strategy, my, my philosophy is, is you know, what constitutes a pay increase for a staff member? Because that's a really big conversation. So for me, you give me four good quarters every year, I'll give you a best pay increase possible based on the performance of the business. And what happens a lot in today's world is staff want a pay increase, and businesses are not sharing how the business is actually performing. So what then happens, it puts pressure on the business owner and some of them can't afford to give those pay increases and they lose people. But I find if they go in through leadership and say, listen, our business is hurting right now. We need to go from here to here. And if we can go from here to here, we're all going to fruit from it. And I just see, and you know, that's happened in this business where staff have come back, I stayed back later, started earlier. Um, you know, we had a, a scenario where we, we lost a, a HR professional at the start of the year. I've got um, one of our staff members here, Rebecca. You know, she she works three days a week, three and a half days a week, and because um, you know, she's got a young family, and you know, she came in on um, on the days that we she knew that were hurting. That's to me empowerment. That is, and you know, and I rewarded her for that. So so again, you know, it all links back to your to your strategy. And I'll say it. You know, my team probably got the best pay increase that I've ever done in the business uh, in June of this year. And it's 100%. And, and it's a good feeling when it happens. It's a terrible feeling as a business owner when things don't go right. And I say, you know, they, they wait, lay awake at night and roll over thinking about one of three things. Number one is profit. Number two is their staff. And three is customers. Where are they? Um, so well, they haven't got enough or we've got too many and now we're, we're lacking in customer service because... And that's what how, how you grow a business is when you've got too many customers. Well, okay, now that strategy is we need to find more new people. So it sounds like you've got a high level of discretionary effort from your team because yeah. of the leadership you've provided. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And you have to enjoy being with your team. That makes sense. You know, you have to enjoy, and it's not necessarily. It's not. And I don't. We don't um, get together after hours or anything like that. But if we go out for a dinner or a lunch or a breakfast or we do a team meeting. Everyone knows their role. I just call it, it's like a well-oiled machine and I run it like a football club, you know, a good football club and I buried for North Melbourne, but you know, I always related to the Hawks, you know, Alistair Clarkson, what an what a absolute legend of a coach, ex-North Melbourne player, of course. And, um, and I think what's, what's important is it's about making sure that everyone holds one another accountable and 
the interesting thing about you know the five behaviors that we talked about i found out that you know what they did a few years ago is they actually all went away as a team walked the Kokoda trail and they did a, a program very similar to that about the trust and about you know the conflict to be committed and at the end of that year buddy franklin checked out and they thought that, that everyone thought that club was in dire straits and then they went through premierships. Now, that doesn't happen one by one player. That happens with a team. And again, that's the way that, we, you know, I see leadership is, uh, is, is, that's how you got to run a small business. And you know that you might have a player that might get injured. You know, there might be a player that might leave and that sort of stuff. But if you can build a great business, great culture, empower your people. What actually happens is you start to build an organic pipeline of people wanting to come and join you. That's a good feeling. So what's your biggest leadership challenge coming up? Um, me? Uh, we actually had that conversation um, before. My biggest leadership challenge is how do I replace me? So that's, that's a, uh, again, I'm very close to my business and I've engaged uh, Warren who who is who's doing mentoring with um, Stephanie to come and help me with that process because sometimes we think we know the answers but we're so close to our business it doesn't stand out so I'm a big believer in that. Um, what I have done is I've just gone and this year only uh, for the month of November and learned how to become uh, an advisory chair. So um, and you know there are two types of advisory boards there's a governance and there's an advisory board about you know how do we grow a business and um, and I've really dug more, dug into becoming that advisory and that's where I want to transition to because our current clients that we've got you know they've done been with us for a long time and it's like okay what's next column so you know the advisory board is next but I do need to create that uh, mini me. And uh, that's always on the top of my mind of uh, how do I do that. But I'm still young. I've got a few years to work on that. But I have a strategy, and that strategy is that we are, like here you are doing podcasts, you know, we are going to go and do a bit of online training uh, next year, and I think that's the path I'm going to go. But I definitely need somebody to, to, to support me. I have two wonderful uh, people in the business that help me on the sales side of things. So I have the expert, Roger, who is a... Um, retail, king of retail, um, everyone loves him because he just, he's got high energy even though he's a mature person um, and he's a magician, he's just, he just brings life into every place he works through and, um, and I mentioned Adrian who's my old boss, I use him as a mentor for a lot of the business to business stuff that I do to go in, so he'll go out and tag with salespeople out on the road or he'll go and mystery shop the work that I've done, so so we've got we've got a real good 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 setup. But I definitely need to find somebody that can can help me do that. And uh, one of the things that I'm personally passionate about with leadership is is networking because I find that a lot of leaders don't necessarily put the focus on it. Yep. But I believe they should. So what are your views on networking? How do you do it? What the value in it for you? So okay, so I'll tell you, I am the king of networking because king of sales you've got to be a good networker so um, we we know our stats 83 percent of the leads that come to our business are done through referral and how you how referrals have come from networking so you know you need to put yourself out there your LinkedIn profile represents you and um, I'm about to update mine now but um, your LinkedIn profile represents you modern world back in you know if we go back 10 15 years ago you would exchange business cards 
today's world, you go and link in with people. That's the, that's the modern day world. We do a lot of generational uh, training. So how does the you know baby boomer talk to a millennial? And uh, that's a really interesting concept because you need to be prepared for, for, for both. So millennials coming in and um, you know those Gen Zs coming in, you know, think well the world's got to work around them. And um, so I think you know networking is a thing where you just got to go with the open mind of learning. So you, we don't go and sell, we just go and learn. We go and talk to people. So we find out what they do and how they do, what you know, what makes them tick, what they love, what they're passionate about. That's networking. Um, you know, I've trained many companies. When you go to a networking event, don't go and try and find 50 people. Just try and find five or six, right? That connect with you, and then from that connection. Go and have a coffee with them or, or connect with them and, and, and have a bit of a chat. And you know what? Don't try and sell them. Just learn about what they do because it will automatically happen the other way around. And I think it's really, really um, powerful. And you learn from people. I learn from my customers. And, I've, and there's some managing directors out there who are just – I sit and they engage me. And they engage me for the same reason why I engage another person in my business is because sometimes their voice is not, not heard. But I think networking is a case. You've got to put yourself out there. Networking for job hunting, if you're out of work, is, is yeah, it's a must. And that's a thing of today. But I think um, networking to upskill yourself or, um, and I'm all about the brand, on how to promote the brand of the company that you work for, um, is imperative. And you're always networking. It's not a, it's not, it's a, it's a 24 hour, seven day a week, 352 days of the year, you are networking. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, we do a lot of, uh, I'm pretty good at, I was at a conference the other week and I talked about posting stuff on social media and that sort of stuff. And a few people in the room had a crack at me. Um, I just, just follow Cole because, you know, he'll put out what he's doing, he'll showcase that he's doing this, he's doing that. And... You know, what was interesting, there were 50 people in the room and at morning tea, I had a lineup of people wanting to talk to me. So <laughs> it was the best form of advertising. So um, I think what's important is, you know, you, you just, you know what, you just got to, uh, uh, you've got to put yourself out there. And today, you know, it's, you, you don't know everything and you just got to learn. And you mentioned uh, before about uh, mentoring and you've got some mentors in the business. Yeah. Uh, can we explore that a little bit further in terms of you, do you treat that as a personal mentor? Is it a mentor to the business? It's a mentor with a strategy. Okay. So, you know, mental health is a big thing that's coming, that we're hearing about all the time. And um, I think if someone is mentally stressed, they need to have a personal coach, right? Because they need to help them guide that through what they need to do. And I think that's very, very important. If you're not mentally stressed, and stress is an interesting thing. So some people, you know, when they're stressed, they become depressed and it drains all their energy. And there's another form of stress that actually does the reverse. And that seems to happen with me. So when I'm stressed, the actual uh, adrenaline starts to kick in and, um, and it just happens. But why I've got an outside coach coming in, and it's, it's what I do, it's, it's I go into another business and, and I'll say things or pick up things and the owner just sits there and goes, it's just, that's just been under my nose. Or I've had that conversation and they just haven't got it. And I think, you know, where does that come from? So I'm an ex-ballroom dancer and I had fantastic dancing coaches. And when you actually, you know, we, I would travel to Sydney or another state and I'd go and learn from another coach. And what would happen is they would say something that was like light bulbs just went off. So I think having somebody else coming in um, 
helps those light bulb moments to get off. That's number one. Number two, it shows your team that you care about your brand and about them. Now, um, you know, you can use a mentor. You know, training is one thing to go and train, but a mentor coming in, you know, um, I mentioned that young lady before who, you know, I said to her, I'm not, not happy, but, you know, she is going so well. I actually want to give her some, and she doesn't even know it yet, I want to give her some one-on-one time with Lauren to get her, uh, what's the word? I believe that she is 100% committed to this business, um, but I want to put handcuffs on her. That, that's that's probably, uh, <laughs> uh, that's a saying one of my clients said to me, put hand, how do I put handcuffs on my, on my, my great leaders? Yeah. And I think how you put handcuffs on them is you, you, You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to help them grow, and it's not through you as one person. So that's, that's, that's my answer to that question, why a mentor is because you know, marketing is an interesting thing. We, in this business, we outsourced our marketing, brought it in-house, screwed it up, went back and outsourced it because, you know what, we need a team of experts, not one expert, you know, right? And again, in, uh, in a business, to grow a business, you need to get... Um, some people will come in and, you know, the advisory board set up that I've just joined. What that's all about is that's about, you know, a business has got a problem. How do I then bring in an expert on CRM or, or uh, you know, legal or compliance? Well, it's not so much compliance, but, you know, more about, um, you know, how do I grow the business? If I want to get into China, how do I get into China? You know, because in free international trade, well, I wouldn't have a clue. But I, but I guess that's part of our skill set. I've learned now. Well, okay, I've got connections, and some of those mentors um, that I'm tapped into, uh, uh, you know, ex CEO of uh, Westpac, uh, ex sales and marketing manager of Flight Centre. So you know, they've done something right, um, and again, that's part of part of learning. Sure. And what uh, have you set any goals for the coming year? Next year. So what's it's a really good question you've asked because we're comfortable. Right. Yeah. So, and the the advisory board centre course actually really slapped me in the face to say, Cole, you're going well and you're comfortable. It's time to get out of the comfort zone and push a little bit harder. So, so for the business, yes, we want we're going to grow next year. So we're going to grow. We're we're, we're going to uh, advertise for uh, staff. We've already got that pipeline. We're already talking to some of those pipeline people now. But um, we're going to appoint um, a couple of new people in the new year to get it to that next level. I've been a little bit distracted this year, so we're releasing a new business, a second business. So um, I mentioned before about, um, you know, I had some like staff members leave us. Well, that really hurt us financially. And, you know, again, to be a business owner, you have to have two things, sheer determination and high resilience, how much you can take. And once I got through that and got the business back on track again, the next thing that happened was, we had this uh, organisation called Youth Now knocking on our door, asking if I'd mentor a kid, uh, a young adult, young professional, just a young adult um, who just can't get into the workforce. So I'm like, you know what, don't give me one, give me 10. I want to see what I can do with them. So I took 10 kids and I reverse engineered my sales training into you know, how to go and get a job. So what I did was I took those 10 kids through and they taught me more, they taught me. They taught me stuff you couldn't you couldn't learn in, in, in education. They taught me, you know, they'd go on a hundred interviews and a hundred no, not even just not knockbacks, hundred knockbacks. What does that do to their self esteem, everything like that? So we talked about you know set goals, passion. What are you passionate about? And I think that's you know leadership is about you know 
what you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about something, then you can't lead someone, right? You, you shouldn't be doing it. So anyway, we've got these guys focused and got them all in line and, and we just started to create this persona of the type of company that I like to work for. And then I had them out mystery shopping, those type of businesses. And then I had them out interviewing some business owners about their business, like we're doing right now. And what actually happened is out of that first 10, seven of them got a job before the course even finished, right? <laughs> so that just all of a sudden showed, hang on, there's an opportunity here. And then what happened is over a three-year period, I did a voluntary, it's part of my social responsibility. I took 60 kids through this program and 45 of them got a, a job of what they wanted to do, their choice. And it's a big, it's a big, it's a big wow story. And what happened was um, the organisation used now lost a bit of government funding, so they didn't get as many students. So it became really, really hard. And I did some drips and drabs of training as best as I possibly could. And um, and you know they they won an award for working with a a, a business to help contribute to their business, and they got a ten thousand uh, dollar grant, or not grant, just a ten thousand dollar gift from state government and um, it's on the um, state government website and I'm there with Colleen and stuff like that. And then it's like, well, okay, we need to develop this. So Lorraine and I, we've got pen to paper, how are we gonna develop this? And then all of a sudden the councils got involved and we had the councils come into our office and say, how do you develop this program? So so as a council, we wanna help youth more and you know we're designing content and stuff like that. But we've heard about this program. And we said, we want to develop it, but we just, it's its financially, it's like you've got to take your focus off one business and put all your profits into another, which is always scary. But anyway, they said, why don't you apply for a government grant? So we applied for a government grant and we didn't quite get the first one. And, you know, Lorraine, my wife, she went and found out why and stuff like that. And then we perfected it and we got the government grant. So then what's happened is I've developed it into a, an online training program for young people. And... Uh, and it actually, we have a soft launch this Sunday at in uh, Leach Street Festival. And on the 1st of February, we are launching it as a professional business out there for, uh, for uh, Learn Locals and, um, and TAFEs Unis for, you know, when once a, a young professional has done their degree or, or they've left school too early and can't get a job, then come and learn how to actually hunt that hunt for that opportunity, which links back into that networking thing that you were talking yeah. about before. Yeah. So we're about to launch that, and that is hugely exciting. And I, and I believe that will be 10 times the size of the business that I'm in right now because all of our clients are like, and, and um, by the way, that first seven out of 10, five of our clients took them, right? <laughs> so uh, because they, they found out through social media, I was training them. But I think um, yeah, we're about to develop that, and it's been a long, it's been a while now. It's been four years since we've actually uh, done it, but that's a new new uh, business that we're launching, and we'll get that going. And Lorraine will leave Kibbers Advisors to focus on that, and use me when I need to use me while I get back in my business. So that's our strategy for for, for next year, and then develop. You know, we have two programs how to manage mobile staff through a HR process. I'm going to get that into online, very similar to what we've done with Keep Careers. And then sales, uh, how to, you know, what's good sales and customer service in the second half of the year. So that's our strategy for next year. And then keep growing that HR part of the business that we're, that we're doing. So uh, for people that want to know more about you and what you do and Key Business Advisors, what's the best way for them to uh, find you and connect with you? Well, um, well, Key Business Advisors is a company name, so obviously if you go to our website, you'll see all of our range of services that we that we do. People link into me, so Colin Wilson, LinkedIn, KBA, um, that's how they find us. Uh, we're in Essendon uh, in Victoria, but um, 
we got clients all over, and hopefully I'm about to pick up my first client in Papua New Guinea, so just something different um, in the new year. So become an international business. International business, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, with the keep career side of things, you know, we're going to be planning. I want to go to China next year because there's a lot of students come come out to Australia who, you know, learn in Australia, then want to go and get a job. So I want to try and beat the market if that sort of says we're not a training business for degrees or anything like that we're that middle piece which is that street smart okay i've got my degree or i've left school what do i do now how do i get a job and what's the most smartest and cleverest way um so um so uh yeah so how do people find us well key business advisors and the website's keyba keyba.com.au and Kiba Careers is keyba and careers.com.au and they can check that out as well. And we have a very simple phone number, 1300 for advice. So, uh, um, which is branded on our cars and on our building and, and signs around around uh, our local area. Fantastic. Yeah. And any last views on leadership you'd like to share with our listeners? I will give you one thing that, and I quote this comment all the time, from a, a, a managing director who, who is at the end of his career, just absolutely brilliant. And I remember saying in a training session, talking about empowering people and what you know what's important to you. And majority of times when I ask that question, is happy staff getting results the whole life. But his answer was that the most important thing to me, Colin, is when my staff go home at the night time and they're looking at their partner at the other end of the table and the partner says, how was your day today? that it's a great experience and they don't damage, they don't bag my brand or anyone in the company. And I sat back and, and I and, and, and I took that comment and I, I say it everywhere because he is 100% right. What makes a person come back to your business every day to perform is it's got to be a good experience, it's got to be a happy place. You spend a third of your life at work and he is 100% right and I really... I took that away and thought, you know what, that's a, that is something that uh, I quote all the time and, um, and just an absolute brilliant managing director. Um, and I just, I, you know, I should actually name him actually, his name's um, Eric Dick of RPM Real Estate Group. He, he made that comment and it's just, it's stuck with me so strong. So, um, and when I quote that in, in lots of companies, the owners think about, she's wonder what they do say when they get home to their partner, right? It's a really good quote. It's fantastic. Mm. It's fantastic. And it's a, uh, it's a great way to, to finish the podcast. So, Colin Wilson, thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. See you next time.